In these uncertain days, there is a person who offers peace. His name is Jesus. People from all walks of life are gathering in his house to hear from him. It's time for you to join the movement. Take your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 15 and verse 30. What you are singing this morning and have been singing is so appropriate and on point for what we're talking about today. You see, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ believed that Jesus is enough. How many of you believe that this morning? Say amen. amen. That Jesus on, uh, is enough. Those of you online, I hope that you do as well, that you'll believe that Jesus is enough. When I was just a little boy, one of the first verses that my mom taught me to memorize was Philippians 4 and 13. Anybody else know that verse? If you do, let's say it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, sometimes in your Christian life, if you're not careful, you will, you will make this bold statement, Jesus is enough until you get in the soup. Until you really get into a life circumstance, if you're not careful, and you'll find yourself in a place that maybe you struggle. Remember John the Baptist, the guy that, that was the forerunner of Christ, that prepared the way for Jesus. He ended up in prison after he'd finished his race together uh, that God had called him to do, and he got discouraged, and he looked on the screen. He, he asked Jesus these words. He sent a group of guys to ask him this that thing. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? See, sometimes we just struggle in our lives, and, and Jesus sent back word, and I want to give this to you from Luke 7 and 22. Jesus says this, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. Listen, I love this. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. I, I've got good news for you today, that no matter what you struggle with in your life, Jesus is enough. We read two weeks ago in chapter 14 on the tribulation trail how the, that Paul was stoned, and I believe that he was stoned to death. But what did Jesus do? From heaven, he raised him from the dead, and he went on in his ministry. Some of us, we struggle. Some of us feel like today maybe somebody's throwing stones at us. Can I get an amen? That maybe the devil's throwing stones or somebody else is throwing stones. Well, I want you to know this, that Jesus is enough. You say, Pastor, I, I, I'm kind of walking through that now. Well, there are three areas of life that I want to tell you that Jesus is enough really quickly. They're going to come on the screen. One, Jesus is enough for your salvation. It's Jesus that saves. Can I get an amen? There's no one but Jesus. Luke 15 11, we believe that we shall be saved just like they. He's enough for your salvation. But also, I'll tell you this, he's enough for the steps that you take in this life. As you live this life, I want to tell you today that Jesus is enough. But here's the problem. When you find yourself struggling, when the stones are being thrown at you and the enemy is against you, and that when you can't see your way through, sometimes it's right here that we struggle. But not only is my Lord enough for my salvation, my steps, Brother Henry, he's enough for my safe arrival home. I'm going to make it home. Anybody else? He is enough. John 14, 6, he's the way. John 14, 3, he's building a mansion, and I'm going to get home. So I want to tell you today, when I read Philippians 4 and 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ. I can be saved. I can step for Jesus, and I'll step through the clouds into heaven with Him. So now, does that apply to your life today? Does that apply where you are, what you're going through? Some of you are in a moment where you are struggling. Some of you are in a moment where it's just like everything's just coming at you. Some of you are in a moment today that you can't see. Now, some of us may be in a place of blessing today. No matter where you are, I want you to get this key moment. Look on the screen. This key moment as it comes on the screen for you. Listen, Satan is trying to do his best to get you to quit believing Jesus is enough. 
Now, as we walk through this today, what I'm going to do, there's, there's several different things I'm going to show you. We're going to pick it up, chapter 15 and verse 30. They had just settled the issue. They'd settled the issue for all time that Jesus was enough for our salvation. Here's what it says in verse 30 in chapter 15. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. You say, Keith, what letter? Look back in chapter 15 in verse 11. Here's the essence of the letter. We believe that we will be saved through grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just as they will. Now, notice in chapter 15, verse 11, when he says here, we, notice what he says, we will be saved. Now, if I, if I come to you and say, I will one of these days bake you a cake, you have something to look forward to. Am I correct? But you don't have anything to look forward to in the moment because it's not with me because Jeremy ate it in our young adult ministry like Sunday night. But you just don't have it because he says you will be saved. Here it is, it is in, the, in the Greek translation, it is in the progressive state. In other words, it's something that has happened, is happening, and will end up happening. So think about when they went back and said, Jesus is enough. He's enough that if you've already prayed to receive him, surrendered your life, he's come into your life. He is your Lord now, and he is working with you. He is saving you. Hear me, friend. Many of us forget this sanctification part of our life. He is saving you. So all you're going through is not so that you would lose, but so that you would win. Hallelujah. So that you would win, so that you'd be victorious. So when you step through heaven, you'd have more to say to God. You'd have some crowns to cast at his feet so that you would have some muscles that you've built up in your life, that you wouldn't arrive there, that it's all about you. You arrive there, it's all about him. Because the truth is, my dear friend, as we've studied this series together, it's not about a moment, even though God saved us in a moment. It's about a movement of God, and the movement of God is not a process. It is the person called the Lord Jesus. It's all about the Lord Jesus, and so they encouraged them. Now, several things I want you to write down in this journey of faith. Number one is this, there'll be bumps along your road. Anybody know what the bumps are? There are bumps along the road. The Bible says they stayed there a while, and they sent the, the delegation back to Jerusalem, except Silas stayed with them. And Paul turned and he said in chapter 15, as it ends, he says, I like to go back to where we've already been, and I want to encourage the people. And the Scripture says, but Barnabas says, okay, let's go, but I want to take my cousin with me. And all of a sudden, really quickly, uh, Paul says, I'm not taking your cousin because he bailed out on us in the last trip that we took. And so they had a disagreement. you ever disagree with anybody? It's a bump in the road. And so the Bible says that they divided. Now, they didn't split like some churches do. They just made two teams. And Barnabas said, okay, I'll, I'll take John. I believe God's called us to do this. And Paul says, I believe God's called me to do this. And so as brothers in Christ, they divide and they, they move. And Paul goes down and he ends up with a guy in chapter 16 now by the name of Timothy, who we'll read about next spring together in 1st 2nd Timothy. He chooses him. And so Paul, Silas, and also Dr. Luke and a few others begin this missionary journey journey to go where they've already been, and they hit a bump in the road. Say bump in the road with me. Say, Keith, what's the bump in the road? The bump in the road is this, that wherever they try to go, God says no. Have you ever come up against God when God says no? I mean, sometimes I, when I tried this weekend to review the sermon for today, God kept saying no. The passage is right. The main points that you had were right, but they're not right for who's going to show up. And so I had one choice or the other. I could either obey and, and do what God wanted me to do, or I could just bump up against the bump and stay right where I am. 
And so what I chose to do was obey that in the Lord. And the Bible says wherever Paul tried to go, he couldn't go. So one night the Bible said while he, while he was trying to go where he wanted to go, the Bible said he had a vision. And a man from Macedonia stood in the vision and said, come over here and help us. Can I tell you today that what you're going through in your life is to help somebody else? The bump that you have in the road is for somebody else. It's not just for you. So if you won't embrace the bump in the road and say, Jesus is enough, God cannot position you to help other people in your life. And so what you know why he said, okay, God, notice verse 11 of chapter 16. Now I slow down with you. The Bible says, so setting sail from Troas... They made a direct voyage, the Scripture says, to Samthrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. They got in the boat, and they journeyed as far as they could, and so now they're going to come. If you look on a map, you'll see them making the first ever penetration into Europe. For the first time, the gospel is going to come to Europe, and eventually, thousands of years later, it would come on to America. Now think about this. They were there in Philippi. It was a leading city of the district of Macedonia. It was a Roman colony. Actually, it was the second largest city in its day. It was a little Rome. And the Scripture says, we remain in this city some days. Can you see Paul and Silas and their ministry team trying to get their bearings? Because remember, they always wanted to share with their own countrymen first, Brother Michael. And so wherever he'd go, he had a heart for his own people. So he's looking for Jewish people to share with. And the Scripture says, and on the Sabbath day, remember on, that would be Saturday for them, they went outside the gate to the riverside. Well, why did you do that? Well, we suppose there was a place of prayer. Why do you mean a place of prayer? In Jewish life, if there were not enough men who embraced Judaism and there were women, they would find themselves a place of prayer and they would go on the Sabbath and they would pray and they would seek the face of God because they believed Messiah was coming. They believed all that they knew to believe, but they still did not know Jesus. They were not saved. They were looking for Him, but they had not heard that He was coming. And the Scripture says, and we sat down. In other words, they were there in that prayer meeting. They sat down, and the Scripture says, to, as, and spoke to the women who had come together. And one who had heard us was a woman named Lydia. Now, Lydia was from Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. In other words, she was wealthy. This was a wealthy woman, and the Scripture says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Now, friends, in other words, the Holy Spirit took the conversation, and as he shared Jesus, she repented of her sins, realized Yahshua had come. And, friend, that's a reason to shout when somebody gets saved. Can I get an amen? And so they were rejoicing that the Holy Spirit, friend, that is the key for you. As you lead this life for the Lord, Jesus is enough when you embrace all that he gives you. He gives you His Word. He gives you His church. He gives you people in that church. But then He gives you the Holy Spirit. J.D. Greer put it this way in, in, in his book entitled in, in, in uh, Jesus in You. He said this, that the Holy Spirit in you is better than Jesus beside you. In other words, you have this living thing. In John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus said this, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll guide you into all truth. In John 16, 6 through 9, the Holy Spirit was taught by Jesus. He said, when he comes, he'll convict the world of sin. He'll convict you of righteousness and truth. In other words, when the Holy Spirit comes and you are born again, he'll put you in a place of blessing 
If you'll open your mouth and speak the Word of God, and people's lives will be changed and saved, that's important for this moment in our lives. Now watch what the Scripture says. And the Scripture says, she paid attention to what was said by Paul, and after that she was what? She was baptized in verse 15, her household as well. Now watch this, this amazing moment happened, Brother Jose. She said, I want to follow Jesus. And apparently she took, her, took him to her house, her family, and let him tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. They received Jesus Christ in that moment, baptized in the Spirit of God, because that's what happens when you get saved. And they were baptized that very night. How many of you would like to be a part of something like that? Well, if you do, there's only one way you can. Jesus is enough. He is the answer, and that is the answer that they were giving to these women. They said Messiah had come. Now here's, listen, in other words, there are, there are bumps along the road, friend. But secondly, there were blessings along the road called roadblocks. What God had blocked them for, from, now watch this, it had caused them to go a different way, and now they came to this place and sitting in a major European city for the first time they would hear the gospel, and this woman and her whole family get saved. I'm glad that God gives us roadblocks. You say, Pastor, I'm not following you yet. I, I hope that you will in a moment. The Scripture says in verse 15, after she was baptized and her household, she urged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Now you're not following me yet. Come to my house and stay. Here was a guy that if you read 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25, had been shipwrecked, had been beaten, had three times would be beat with rods. was a man always in trial and, and, and turmoil. But on this night, he went to a rich man, woman's house and stayed. Do you know what happened in this moment, friend? There, there was a, write this down, there was a big moment that came to his life. He was blessed. For seven days, he lived in utopia. For seven days, this brother had everything he wanted. Now think about this. Do you live in utopia? Old friend, if I were to take you and your portfolio, no matter how small it is, and take you to, to many places in the world, they'd say, boy, you're rich. Not one amen. If I were to take you to, the, to a single parent's home where the, that she's working two and a half jobs to keep her kids alive, they would look at many of us, they would say, boy, you are blessed. I want to tell you, as you walk this life, there'll be big moments that you'll want to remember. And so I want to ask you, are you at a big moment today? In this moment, Paul was at this big moment that for seven days after this, he'll be blessed. And God wants you to be blessed but there's something else that comes to your life. It's a big moment. Sometimes you'll be bothered in your life. Anybody ever get bothered in your life? Anybody, let me put it this way. Anybody ever get hot and bothered? One person just like, yeah, maybe me, two, maybe three, uh, four. God, you know all the liars in the room as well. All of us get hot and bothered by something. I mean, it's been 100 degrees. Hot and bothered by something. The Scripture says, now notice with me, this is an amazing transition moment. The Bible says here in verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, that would have meant one week later. One week later, they, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. In other words, she was, she was uh, demon-possessed. And notice what she did. She was owned by people, and they gained money by her fortune-telling. In other words, the de demonic in her gave her the ability to interpret where people were, and she told their fortunes it was a good setup for them. 
So she followed Paul and us, that's Dr. Luke and his team, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. This she kept doing for many days. Now some of you would think that that's a blessing. But it was not a blessing because as, as one early church father commented, he said this, that here was the woman that the devil was using to bother what was going on because she was saying, actually, I'm a part of this. Look what God does. These men are telling you the truth. Look at my life and look at their life. But she was demonically being used by the enemy and Paul was hot and bothered by it. And the Scripture says here, and notice this, she did this for many days, and Paul, having been greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. Now, how many of you understand that the Holy Spirit in you is better than Jesus beside of you? And how many of you understand that the Holy Spirit, 1 John 4 and 4, is greater than the enemy around you? And so when you are blessed, you just like you rejoice, but when you're bothered, it's time to lean in. It's time to lean in. Some of you are bothered right now, and i got to tell you this, that in big, this is a big moment for you. It's a big moment for your life. Because, listen to me, the greatest things that have been ever done for God and with God in the world are in those moments that you're bothered. Not when it's easy. Because anybody can do it when it's easy. The dead people of the world will rise up and tell you they did a lot of easy things and a lot of evil things, but only Christ could change their life. And so I want you to hear this in this moment. They, they, the demon was cast out. Listen, listen, Paul did this for this woman. He did it on her behalf. And some of you are going to have to stand up in the midst of all that you face and say to your kids who are just barely getting by, Jesus is more than enough of what you're doing now. It's time to say to parents and friends and neighbors that what they need is Jesus and not the things of this world. And so in this moment, friend, here's a big point. Look on the screen as it comes on. If you're going to have these big moments, you've got to be obedient so that God can position you for great things. Now think about this. When they came to the city of Philippi, they were obedient in what God do. He blessed. God wants to do great things. Now watch what the Scripture says here. The Scripture is amazing in verse 19. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. So the crowd joined in, attacking them. You think hot and bothered is bad? Now watch it here. And the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. The message paraphrase says this, they beat them black and blue. So now watch, listen to me, God gives you big moments, some of them are blessed moments where it's easy that you have a lot. Some you're bothered, you're hot and bothered, but then there are times that you'll be beat up for your faith. There's Sundays that I've come to this church that it's all that I could do to walk through the door on Sunday morning, anybody else? There are times that during the week and what we face and you face when I pray for you and work with you and walk you, there are times when I just look at you and my heart weeps and I break as a shepherd because you come here black and blue. 
The Bible says that, that we will enter the kingdom, remember Acts 14 and 22, through many hardships. So, so compare your beating to what Paul went through. And so the Scripture says here, the Bible says, they gave them orders to beat them in rods, and when it happened, they threw them, in verse 23, into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. And having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Friend, look at this. Let your mind's eye see it. I wrote this down to see if you agree with this. The world's fury has no limits. And just because you're God's people does not mean you're outside those limits. You're going to face. You're going to be bruised and battered. Yes, you're going to be bothered. God, but God's blessing. But I want to tell you this today. With all my heart, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough to see you through. If you will watch this, if you will be obedient so that God can position you for great things. You say, now, Keith, you can say what you want to, but you haven't been through what I've been through. I have not, and I'm thankful that I've not. But I want to tell you what, what these brothers set the pace for us. Look what it says in verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were licking their wounds, sending in their resignation. Giving up, turning it over. I'm done. I'm through. It's over. No, the Bible says they were praying and singing hymns to God. My friend, are you not rejoicing in this moment with me? Say, why would they do this? Job 35 and 10, Job says this, God, you give songs in the night. You give songs in the night. That's why I began the message this morning with you saying that your private worship fuels your public worship. And if you have no private worship, if you're honky-tonking, friend, that's not going to help you when it's hard. If you're rocking and rolling, it's not going to help you when it's hard. If you're doing the things of the world, it's not going to help you. But I tell you, I have a song in the night. See, I want to tell you, there's nights that when I don't want to go to sleep because I'm hurting, that God will remind me of His Word and He will remind me to worship. I want to tell you today, Jesus is enough. Hallelujah. Jesus is enough. You ought to shout it out. You ought to believe it and proclaim it from the mountaintops. No one else may believe it, but I believe it. And if you believe it, you're believing for them. And so the Scripture says, there they were. And notice, and suddenly in verse 26, say the word suddenly with me. Wow, you're in it now. Suddenly a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Now this was no surprise to the church, because in Acts 4 and 31, after the first time the apostles had been put in prison, they got together in a room and they prayed in Acts 4 and 31. And in that upper room, God shook the whole place. I want to tell you, God's shaking this old world. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now let me ask you this, what would you have done if you'd been in the prison? How many of you would have headed for the hills? You'd have been gone. I mean, I, I could see it now. It wouldn't be a beach vacation. I mean, it'd be anywhere besides there. I'd have gotten out of Philippi if I had not known the Lord. But the Scripture says that the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors were open, and he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. He looked around and saw the mess. He said, I'm in trouble. They're going to kill me. If they don't kill me, the, the people that are in charge of this place will kill me. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do, you know, no harm, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. You see, in this moment, here, Paul realized in his blessing, 
He realized that he's being bothered and is black and blue that God had sent him to Philippi, not only for Lydia, not only for a slave girl, but also for this jailer. And he said to him, we are still here. And the scripture says he called for a light and he rushed in and he was trembling with fear. He fell down before the, can you see him falling down to his knees and saying, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How can a man in Philippi who was in the midst of all these paganism, how did he know in just seven short days? That there was a God in heaven that saved souls. I'll tell you how he knew, because God orchestrated it all. And when he heard them singing, and for the last seven days, maybe he ran into Lydia. Maybe he ran into the slave girl. Maybe he had visited her before, and that she told fortunes, and now he goes to her. And this moment he says, ma'am, I'm here to pay you for the fortune. She said, I no longer have a fortune, but I have a greater than a fortune. I've met the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now there he is, this blue-collar worker. He says, sirs, tell me. And look on the screen as it comes on. Here's what Paul said. It's the gospel in a nutshell. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and and also your household. How many of you know that verse? When was the last time you used that as your answer for what they're going through around you? And I offer it to you as my prayer today that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. To believe means this, that you put all your weight, all of your trust. You know what happened that night, friend? The Bible says that that this jailer took them out of the prison, took them to his house, and he washed their bodies, their backs, with all of the the blood that had been mingled upon them because of the beating. And there, as Paul was sitting there, he or Silas one told the rest of his family about Jesus. And that night, all of them got saved, and all of them got baptized by two guys who had been beaten black and blue in prison. Don't tell me Jesus is not enough. Don't tell me that Jesus is not enough. You say, wow, Keith, you've screamed, you've hollered, I've read this text. I know I'm to be obedient, but what do I take away from this? I'm glad you asked. Number one, child of God, I tell you this, give over your big moments to God and rest in the promise of Philippians 4.13. Just today, just today, at this invitation, God, I give my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, I give my parents, I give my kids, I give my job, I give the city, I give my trials, I give my tribulations. God, I just hand it all over to you. Now, I want to ask you, when was the last time you did that? You say, Keith, I'm not following you. Well, go with me in your Bible to Philippians 4. Remember, what was Philippians 4, 13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But there's more in context to that verse. If you look back in verse 11, here's what Paul Paul says. Philippians 4 and 11, he says, Not that I'm already speaking of being in need. The Philippian church had sent him an offering in this part of the text. He's thanking them. Philippian church, where is the Philippian church? Well, the Philippian church was there in Europe where Paul went in Acts 16. And the first members of his church, Joe, was a rich woman. A demon-possessed woman and a blue-collar worker were the first members of the church at Philippi. And now these years later, he's thanking them and all others that have been reached for sending them money. And he says, I want to tell you, it's not that I've been without need. I've had need before. Look at this. But I've learned in whatever situation I am in to be what? Content. 
You see, the reason I ask you to give this over to God is that God will bring contentment to your life. Contentment means that no matter what you face, you say, I can do this through Christ. Now look, you say, I don't know if you're telling the truth or not. Look what it says in verse 12. I know how to be brought low. That's the prison. I know how to abound at Lydia's house. In any and every circumstance, I have learned that the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need, I can do all these things through Christ. Why are you not rejoicing this morning, my friend? Is this just the same old preacher and the same old message? Or do you not believe he's enough? I believe he's enough. So here's the second thing I'd say to you. Child of God, get up every morning. Get up every morning and position yourself for great things. This is my day, Jesus. This is the day that you've given me, and I'm going to rejoice. Lamentations 3 and 23. God, your mercies are new every day. I'm going to rejoice. This is my day. But now, preacher, I, I got people throwing stones today. I got people on the job today that they're sorry as they can be. Uh, preacher, I've got all these things going on around me. Friend, listen to me. They're not in charge of you. They're not in charge of your mind. They're not in charge of your heart. Listen, you, you give them charge if you get out of the will of God. Quit giving them charge. Take charge again. Say, God, my big moment, should I change jobs, God? Should I not change jobs? What, should, should I start a family? Should, should I move here? Should I live here? Should I do this, God? These are big moments. They're all yours, God. Amen. And watch this. I'll be content with whatever you give me. And God, tomorrow morning when it comes, I'm going to get up knowing that I'm walking with you. Wow. Child of God, how can you lose when you know and believe that Jesus is enough? Thank you for joining the movement. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.